4: In three, two, one. Women wrapped up in blankets and they're looking for food. It's the saddest thing I've ever witnessed.
1: Trust is a human emotion. And for some reason, we've embedded
3: trust in social media. But
5: how about you? But I just get it because you've given us so much airtime. Thank you so much.
3: We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can
0: we just talk? Call 818 96 96
3: 96. Extra WhatsApp 83 396 96 96 96.
0: Email opinion at
3: 96fm.ie The lines are live Let's
0: kickstart the conversation
3: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
0: On Cork's 96fm
3: No, I think I might throw me
6: hat in the ring for this Tory party leadership At this stage it's open to anybody to have a go I think But the best bit is you do the job, it's 64 days to Christmas Just thought I'd throw that out there And She did the job for 44 days, did Liz Truss, and she's now entitled to 134,000 yo-yos a year for the rest of her life for doing the job. Now, there's a lot of pressure on her not to take it, but it's, it's there, I think, since Thatcher's time. It's once you've been Prime Minister, you're entitled to this whopper of a salary for the rest of your life. Just for being there but she was only there for 44 days. Holy mother I if, I if I wonder is there some way I could do it I could pack it in before Christmas and be back here to wish you all a happy Christmas on the the last show before the holidays If you think about it before the end of the show I might just give it a shot. <laughs> oh, good morning 0818 96 96 96, The number, the text to WhatsApp is 0833969696. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie I'm laughing at this The good of this row over the crown Do you know? Crown is due back on the telly We'll talk about this later on The crown is due back on the telly On Netflix on the 9th of November Season 5 And I am laughing at the number of people who are getting caught up in this row Including someone I thought I would have more sense Dame Judy Dench It's fiction It was always fiction based on hysterical fact. It's Only more drovers We'll come to that uh, during the course of the morning Also coming back to some stuff we've been getting during the week uh, About tipping in restaurants We heard about uh, a practice that I don't like I don't like at all all that and plenty more, and of course, if there's anything on your mind this morning, anything you think we should know about, you think we should be talking about, or think we shouldn't be talking about, you know the number oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Get that conversation started on the opinion line first this morning, though, to to Edward, and you have to feel for Edward. Uh, he's caught up himself and his part, partner, caught up in a desperate situation at the moment. Edward and his partner are the parents of triplets. The triplets are in hospital in Kenya born to a surrogate um, back at the start of September and they cannot bring them home to Ireland. Edward and his partner are from Dublin they cannot bring the babies home because when they went out there, there are loads of bills left unpaid even though they had they paid over megabucks. You'll uh, we'll hear about it when I'm talking to them to, to organise surrogacy. So the babies are in Nairobi in a hospital being very well cared for. Very well cared for, triplet little girls. But Edward and his partner, you're, you're back home now, Edward, aren't you? Morning.
7: Good morning. Yes, we've been in Nairobi the past few weeks. and um, We actually returned home. Uh, last week we were in Nairobi for six weeks, and we we had no choice just to go home as we were never going to sort the of situation out over there in Kenya. And we we started our search journey last year. Last March we started looking into agencies, and we spoke to a few agencies. And in August last year we decided to go with the agency in question, and we started the journey. It was October before we could. Uh, fly out with COVID restrictions. Yeah. And basically, we went there, everything was fine, we did everything needed, we done the samples and stuff, and in March this year, we found out that we were pregnant. Sure, sure. Well, that our surrogate was pregnant. Yeah.
6: Um, and that it was triplets?
7: Uh, we didn't know, we didn't know in March that it was triplets, okay. we didn't know straight away it was triplets. It was around June, we found out that we were we we're, we were going to be parents to triplets. Okay. Um Look, we were over ecstatic with the news, especially special mirror triplets. But again, we were worried as well, you know, I think mean, there's so much complications with a triplet pregnancy. Yeah. We're worried not just for the babies, but also for the surrogate, you know and Sure. This beautiful woman, actually, she has a two-year-old son of her own, so we, sure didn't, we certainly didn't want anything to happen. And um, look, the babies, we were given a date for the babies to be born on the 28th of October, which is the 28th of this month. But on the 31st of August we got a phone call the night before 31st of August we got a phone call late night saying that the kids were going to be born the next morning were wow. going to be delivered the next morning and at this point look we didn't have any be Kenyan visas booked or we didn't have any flights booked because yeah. we weren't given an exact date so we didn't know when Yeah. and um, we we'd planned to fly out on the 23rd of October and um, but look it happened the way it did and look we were delighted that when we were, the next morning, on the fourth on the fourth of September, we were delighted to, to hear that the babies were doing okay, and and she just needed some little oxygen tubes and and some uh, special baby food. Sure. And you know, we spent the next couple of days trying to plan everything to flight, uh, getting the Kenyan visas, because we wait a couple of days for them. So it was a Monday, the 5th, before we could fly out to Kenya. Yeah. Uh, we landed late at night. It was the flight was delayed. It was it was 11:50 by the time we landed off the plane, and before so we got our baggage installed it was nearly one o'clock in the morning. So yeah. we couldn't go see the kids that night.
6: Full of hope and excitement, and
7: oh, full of look. We were so we were ecstatic, basically. You know, and we couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, it was finally here. Yeah, look, we, we we were hoping to be there for the break, but we were just over the moon at the t- at the time. Anyway, the next morning, um, we were put up at nine o'clock by the agency, and you know, we assumed straight away we were going to see the kids and. But Just for like, Edward,
6: financially uh, at this point, how much had it cost you? Fifty. Fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand dollars.
7: We paid in installments over the, over the over the months. Sure. sure. know. And um, that was included. That was included. In everything because when we started the journey, we we looked at different countries. Obviously, looked so many countries at different prices, different ways of doing things. Um, I don't know, just something about this guy. We, we trusted him, everything he told us. We just we went ahead with it. Because starting off, we, we didn't know we could afford it or not. You know, we talked about it for a couple of years. But We were looking at a place like the States where it's 120,000 euros, which is way out of our reach. Yeah. And in March 2021, when we contacted a couple of agencies and we, and we seen this guy and the, the price, everything just fitted, fitted, well, fitted, fitted for us at the time. Right. and We decided just to go for it. So,
6: so by the time you landed in Kenya in September, fifth yeah. September. You'd you'd paid over fifty thousand oh, yeah. and yeah. and you thought that's that's the end of that and we we'll protect our, we'll our day, children when they're ready and we'll go away home and yeah, that's look the we
7: knew obviously we knew from from it's a triplet bird we knew that we we're gonna spend a week or two in hospital. That's of course, yeah, yeah. That's that was you know what I mean but anyway when that Tuesday when he book us up, Tuesday the second he book us up at nine o'clock in the morning. As I said, I thought we are going straight to the hospital to see the kids but we were taken ask for extra money you know what I mean and this is from 9 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock in the day I was getting asked for extra money I how much
6: question? extra money
7: $16,000 $1,200 dollars each extra for a search. I was told it takes two months for a search here but we can get it you know alarm bells start ringing in my head right there and then yeah because I, I, I
6: would have thought sorry could have crushed you know, but I would have thought the previous 50000 a lot of that would have been towards paperwork, and you would have thought that there's That's nothing we more essential.
7: Everything was going to be sorted out for us, all the paperwork. We'd have everything we need. Obviously, we'd have to do our own stuff with our own embassy. Yeah, but you would you, you, you
6: would have thought that the most basic element of paperwork is a birth cert. 100%.
7: You know what I mean? The alarm bells start ringing in my head right near them, but as I said, I just wanted to go see the babies. That's all I wanted. Anyway... At two uh, o'clock, not that I was getting angry, I just said, look, I just want to go see my kids, please, can I just come, we can sort all this out, and every time, right now, I just want to go see my kids. Um, we were dumped off on the side of the road in Nairobi. We brought all the stuff with us from the hotel, because we were going to move to a different hotel the next day. We brought all the stuff with us from the hotel in this guy from the agency's car. We were dumped off on the side of the road, three baby chairs, two large suitcases each, Two handbags, everything we had for the babies we were dumped off the side of the road. We didn't know what hospital our babies were even in. At this oh, hold point.
6: on, you were dropped out like this wasn't even near a hospital, you were just This lit-
7: wasn't near, this was on the side of the road
6: in a city street or where
7: in a city street, but uh, look, Nairobi is it's it's not our city. We don't know it. Oh yeah,
6: yeah. I've never, I've never been. But I mean, like you weren't even told the hospital's over there, kind of thing. We no?
7: didn't even know where the hospital was. Crikey! Okay. Basically, we we walked with all the baggage. We managed to get to a KFC to use the Wi-Fi, and we went around and we finally found the hospital a couple hours later. And we arrived in the hospital, and to our shock, the babies weren't doing okay. There was two of them everywhere. Right. You know, Camilla, she was the smallest baby. We didn't even know if she was going to make it at this point. And basically, look, we spent the next couple of days praying everything would be okay. And in those coming days, we found out that the hospital bill wasn't paid, oh the doctor's dear. bill wasn't paid. Oh, God. I mean, nothing was taken care of. And now it was all on us, basically.
6: So, uh, all the 50 grand that you've paid over not only did it not include paperwork like birth certs, you've now discovered that the hospital themselves were left short.
7: Oh yeah, the hospitals and the doctor because it's paid separately in Kenya so the doctor is paid separately from the hospital so we we now find ourselves look at six weeks later and obviously there's a lot of medical care that's been done by but seven weeks actually today Um, a lot of of medical care has been done by now we now find ourselves from last week 12k bill for the the hospital, 11k bill for the doctor and plus there's
6: just sixteen thousand still wanting to be paid for the agency. Hang on. Um, Hold on. So the the, the hospital says it's owed twelve, the doctor 12. says he's owed eleven. That's twenty-three. Yeah, and sixteen. Sixteen to who? To the
7: agency. They're still being they're still demanding to
6: be paid. So you're back here at home now and your three babies have no choice. I we know had that had no Edward, just they're, they're still in hospital.
7: Still in hospital. 5,000 miles away. Man I mean, alive! There's nothing. There's nothing I can do. with. There was. There was no way I was ever going to sort anything out on the Kenyan side. It was the hardest decision we ever had to make. Was, you can't
6: it, afford this money, can you?
7: We can't afford it. Basically, we haven't got it. We we look going into it. The reason we went with this agency, it wasn't just about affordability, but it was, we trusted them as well. But it was about affordability as well. We thought, you know what, we can do with. We talked about it for a long time. You know what I mean? And we thought, you know, what, we finally do it. We just wanted to go ahead with it. We wanted, we wanted a family. You know what I mean? And now we're left with 38,000. Bill, to pay. My kids are 5,000 miles away. It's an agony. It's, I, I can't explain the feeling that I'm feeling right now. You know, every day, I, I, all I can do is think. I can't get them in my head. First thing in the morning, first thing at night, last thing at night. I just, it's my kids, my kids, my kids. I'm scared. I'm scared something's going to happen to them when I'm not there. I don't know. I don't know what to do. The bills are... Yeah, the bills are rising every day. That's, that's, that's from last week. and bills are going up every day. Because
6: the longer they stay in the hospital, obviously, the more the yeah. bills... Are you in touch with the hospital? Are they talking to you?
7: The doctor. Yeah, I'm in touch with the doctor. I'm getting, I'm getting updates on how they're doing. And,
6: and, and how are they?
7: They're doing so much better. They've gained so much weight. and You know, they're now ready to be discharged. But um, I can't afford the discharge bill. And that's oh the problem. God.
6: Yeah. And is there any... What's the word I'm looking for? Is there any assistance available through what you might call diplomatic channels? No?
7: Well, okay. Well, I went to, we, we, when, look, there was another thing, there was another incident happening in Nairobi, I was beating up on the streets, and, you know, and, and I was, I went to the embassy at that time, and I, you know, I, look, at the time, I was so scared, it was a different city to me, my kids were in hospital, all this, I was overwhelmed, to be honest. Nice. I went, and I begged, I pleaded with the embassy to help me. And basically, I was told they can't intervene. They can help me with paperwork, but they can't intervene and in, in other ways. Basically, they could, they couldn't get involved with the hospital or the doctor. Right. Okay. So basically, we're our around over there.
6: So what are you going to do? You're here at home now, and your children I'm are here at in...
7: home. We're, we're trying to raise the money through social media, GoFundMe, and stuff like that. The only the only option is to raise the money and try to get the try to get back over there and get the girls home.
6: And. Are you on a deadline? of Other than wanting to get your children home, are you on a deadline? Is the hospital putting pressure on you? What's the story?
8: Of course, of course. Look, uh, look I don't think the hospital's
7: going to hold the kids much longer. It's, you know what I mean? They've already been there seven weeks today now.
6: Where would they send them? if?
7: That's, that's fine. I'm scared. I don't know. I'm not there now to protect them. I can, only, I can only relate with the doctor, but obviously the hospital's a different situation from the doctor. Yeah.
6: And Edward, have you contact with the surrogate?
7: We have, yeah. We have. We have we have contact with the surrogate. We we look, she's a lovely lady, beautiful woman. She look, she gave us the greatest gifts in the world, and you know what I mean. And we're we're trying to, and we're hoping. Look, we're, every day we're asking her how she doing, is she well, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But um, like the surrogate, she wouldn't be in a position to take the kids or anything. I was
6: just going to ask that yeah. question. Like, could they be released into her care, and which is they can't until the bills paid.
7: Until the bills paid, they can't be released to anyone's care. You know, I mean, I don't know what the hospital's going to do if we we don't pay the bill. I don't know what's, what 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 the procedure is.
6: So a in time, fella.
7: And look, nobody can, nobody understands the feeling that that we have right now. We've, we're lost. We're in limbo. We don't know. We don't know even what to say. Basically, we're on the. We're just. I don't know. I'm just lost. You know the, the feeling that we have. You know the worry. I just, I can't explain the feeling, we're crying, we're both crying ourselves to sleep at night, it's just, it's just, it's agony to have to be 5,000 miles away from them, anything can happen and we're not there.
6: Do you know, you say you can't explain it, Edward, but I think, man to man, the tone in your voice is explaining more than you can think.
7: You know, it's, it's it's not, I've never been an emotional person, it's just, but I can't think about in my head without a tear coming to my eye, to be honest. All
6: Alright. I really hope it works out for you I You know It would be very stupid of me to say It'll all be fine Because I don't know
7: Well look We're being told, Look, Get the money together we get over there And we get the kids in
6: Okay Well good luck with it I really do ho- hope It does work out for
7: you um, Is it okay if I say About the GoFundMe the name
6: Of course Yeah Well we'll okay. share it anyway
7: it's, it's called Help Get Our Baby Song Alright uh, You can just type that in GoFundMe And it'll come up
6: Edward I wish you The best of luck
7: Thank you so much I really appreciate you Having me on the show
6: you're welcome Edward no problem boy that GoFundMe is on our Twitter right now if you're looking for it on GoFundMe it, babies is misspelt I just spotted it there when I went and looked so help get our babies and they've spelt babies B-A-Y apostrophe S home um, but you'll find it there and the good news is okay they need 38 grand they've been rightly stung but they they, they need 38 grand and at the moment, just pressing that button, thirty thousand two hundred in the GoFundMe. So GoFundMe take what they take a percentage of that. So they're in around the thirty thousand mark at this stage. They need thirty eight to be able to pay all the bills and get and get the babies home. Someone says here, my heart goes out to that band, to Patrick. He should set up a GoFundMe. People would help without a doubt. Well, he has got one up. He has a GoFundMe. Up and running. They need 38,000, and so far they've got just under 30,300. hundred. We'll keep an eye on it during the morning uh, if you want to go on it. To, to help our babies come home. Uh, you'll find it on GoFundMe. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Coming up later this morning, there's talk now of a smoking ban in parks and on beaches. There'll be an extension. Of the present smoking ban. Not quite sure what is in the pipeline just yet, but we do think it's parks and beaches. There'd be no smoking allowed. Your thoughts on that? Welcome at 0818969696. 96 96. We look into it later. Yesterday we were talking about solo travelling, and Dara started the conversation, Dara Fleming, and then Anne and Ian rang us about there. Uh, solo holidays. Anne goes off to the sunshine every Christmas on her own and Ian is heading off to Israel this Christmas on his own to meet friends out there and spend time in Israel. We could chat with them about it. All over Instagram now you find people doing this solo travelling thing. <laughs> I wouldn't mind chancing it myself. Don't mind telling you. Then I read a piece in the Irish Times. uh, O'Brien. Now you didn't go on your own. You had your partner with you but you went through 17 countries uh, and the piece you wrote is that you learned an awful lot about Ireland on that trip through 17 countries. Countries, good or bad, Conan. Good morning.
9: Uh, uh, good morning, PJ. Good morning. Uh, I would say good and bad. Yeah. Um, to be on- to be honest with you, uh, a lot of things that you realise that we take for granted at uh, for home, uh, take for granted at home. And a lot of things actually we can do a lot better uh, at home as well. Mm. So you know, some of the good things were um, one thing we take for granted at home is just basic safety and security. You know, yeah. the idea that you can you you know I, I live in uh, I live in Dublin, but I could drive to you know Nace or or to Cork, you know, at any time of the day or night, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. And that's not the case in in some of the places we've been. Um, you know those places in Mexico and Honduras and a few other places like that we were and and that's that's not the case so it's it's really really great uh, that we have that now obviously we have a lot of things to you know there's, there's a lot of problems we have ourselves with you know with safety and, and that kind of thing as well yeah. but it's it's much smaller to be honest than the type of thing that we've seen so far on our trip and
6: We're starting to start yourself and Fia decided to do this trip um, did you start out with the idea of doing so much travel or was it just right we're going to start and see where it takes us
9: no yeah we, we decided we'd go for it um, so we're, we were kind of getting on in years both hitting our 30s and, oh, and we yeah, don't have
6: kids oh
9: we you're we were, we were kind of getting to the point where it was a case of look you know if we're going to have kids then that's probably going to happen in the next couple of years but we both wanted to go travelling as well and, and really go way off the beaten path um, because Fia loves wildlife and loves Loves wilderness and and I love a bit of adventure too, so we kind of realised, well, look, if we're going to go, we need to go now. It was kind of now or never, um. So we decided to to take uh to take a year out and to go for it. And Fia Fia got a year of a sabbatical mm-hmm. from her job, and I actually I resigned from my own job, and uh, we decided to go for it. And we had a kind of a rough route to start in Mexico, and go all the way down to the bottom of Argentina, and and go into the Amazon, go deep into the Amazon while we were doing that. Um, and then from there to come across the Pacific, go to Asia, and up through Southeast Asia, and then go home. So, so that was the plan. Uh, and we're we're nearly there. We've been through. Uh, just, we're in our eighteenth country now. Actually, right. I'm, I'm ringing you from Cambodia. Oh, good
6: um, man.
9: So, right. yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so it's it's been sensational. It really has. Um we've seen so much, and we've so many stories to tell when we come when we come home as well.
6: Yeah. You, you talked about the safety of Ireland that you can pretty much drive anywhere any hour of the day and night and feel relatively safe pretty much anywhere even here in Cork City we complain about our streets being dangerous but you, we've a lot to learn about dangerous streets Like you've been in places where you just don't go out
9: Um, yeah, or, or or, uh, that, that's right. That's right. So, so I'll give you a few examples. Um, in Quito, which is the capital of Ecuador, Ecuador is actually a fantastic country. It's probably our favorite country. Um, but in Quito, as soon as it gets dark, you don't walk around on the streets in the capital. It's just a, it's just a no-no. Um, and in Mexico, there'll be large chunks of the, of the country that are, well, they're completely out of, they're completely, um, out of control and that the government doesn't actually control those areas so you can't go to those areas in the first place but even some of the places where it is safe to go you can't drive after dark because there's a fair chance um you know there'll be a a checkpoint or something or fair chance that you, you might end up with you know with a bandit or something who might try to rob you from your car or your bus or whatever. So that, that happens. And, and Mexico is Mexico has no end of, of problems. But I, uh, one thing to stress, though, is that the tourist areas themselves, where most tourists go, th- those are actually very safe, believe it or not.
6: Yeah, I've heard that um, about Mexico. Their friends have been there a couple of times. They say, once you stick to the tourist route, yeah. you're going to be fine. But literally three kilometres in the wrong direction, you're in trouble.
9: Absolutely correct. Yeah, hundred percent. As soon as you go off peace, as we call this, uh, you're you're running you're running the risk, you know, and and you yeah. really need to watch yourself. And and the reason why the tourist places are so safe is because there's an entire economy built around keeping you safe. So there's a lot of the, the hotel owners, the restaurant owners, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, everyone involved in, in in the tourist economy, they need to keep the tourists safe because that's where their livelihood is coming from. So for that reason, you know, they will actually protect you. You're under their protection, so to speak. But if you go to an area that's not a tourist economy, you know, there's no interest there that's there to protect you. You could look like a valuable target pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So So, um, that's that's where you have to watch yourself. So
6: safety is something that we take for granted that other people can't. Now, I was particularly interested in your observations on public transport.
9: Oh, I, I, I actually, I couldn't believe it. The fact that we were in countries that are far poorer than Ireland, you know, where the average incomes might be, you know, eleven thousand, twelve thousand euros a year, if that, um, you know, and and uh, the fact that their public transport system was so much better than ours, it was honestly it was embarrassing at times, um, you know, being able to jump on a bus and go basically anywhere on a pu- public on a on, on a on a bus up and down the continent more or less. The best example was Ecuador, actually, again, where you could. I, I'll give you a, a, a good, quick but very good story. We had to do a nine-hour bus journey from the capital to a town right on the edge of the Amazon jungle, from where we would go into the Amazon itself. And it was it was about nine hours. I didn't even have to look at a timetable to get to get on the bus. I just showed up at the bus station. Just there was a bus leaving within 15 minutes. Hopped on the bus, uh, got to another town, changed. Maybe waiting five minutes, another bus came along. Off we went, and we were there in no time at all. It didn't even have to look at a timetable. And this was a this was going into the Amazon network. Like, this, so this is so frequent. Yeah, they're so frequent. Exactly, they're so frequent. And, There's so and many of them. How much
6: did that cost you?
9: Oh, I think it was about maybe ten euro ahead, maybe fifteen at most. At most, at absolute most. Right, yeah. um, and and actually, the, the the best the best urban. Um, Transport system we saw was, believe it or not, was in Medellin in Colombia. Medellin's famous from Narcos. Anybody who's, yeah. who's ever watched Narcos knows yeah, that yeah. that's where Pablo Escobar is from, and the place was a complete war zone 30 years ago. It's a lot safer now. They've they've really made a huge amount of progress. Um, but it was still a war zone, you know, and it's there's still drug cartels active and all the rest. And they have a public transport system that is light years ahead of anything we have in Ireland. They have a, a metro line that goes right through the middle of the city and then has a couple of branches. And they have cable cars that run off the metro line that go up these steep uh, h- hills where there's what you would call favelas, I suppose. But you have these metro, ca- metro, uh, sorry, um, there these cable cars coming up, coming up and down these hills, so somebody can just jump on a cable car. Uh, from whatever part of your city, go down to the metro line, zip along the metro line, jump onto another cable car, took some, takes them up the other side of the hill and they're there in no time at all. Uh, we've nothing remotely approaching that in Ireland. Nothing. Yeah. Something, um, something, and it was, it was just an eye-opener. Yeah.
6: Something you found as well is how much Irishness is appreciated. Talk to me about this Irish bar in Argentina, the most southern yeah. Irish bar.
9: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the most southerly city in the in the world. So there's a there's a, a city called Ushuaia. It's right down the very very bottom of Argentina. Uh, it's on in Tierra del Fuego, and and literally it's next stop Antarctica. That's just how far south you are. Um, and we arrived there. We'd been travelling for a long long time um, to get there, and it was it was August, so it's the middle of winter there. So it's you know the snow and all the rest all around the place. And we jumped off a bus. And we walked out and the next thing in front of us here at what they call themselves, they call it the end of the world. That's what their tagline is. Uh, there was a bar called Dublin and we, we walked in and the place was head to toe in tricolours and Munster flags and Leinster flags and Leinster jerseys and the place was packed. And please tell and me there, there was an Irish a- fellow
6: behind the counter, no?
9: not one not one there wasn't n- n- not only was there not an irish person there there wasn't even anyone else from europe there everyone was there was from argentina or brazil or different places we were the only europeans in the place we walked in and we just we just couldn't believe it like i mean ireland is so small we're such a tiny country and yet we have these you know we have this massive cultural impact all over the world it's incredible and and it wasn't just you know the irish bars that we we kind of take for granted so often it happened that when people heard we were Irish, whether they were other Europeans or whether they were Americans or people from all over the world, they'd immediately start smiling and they'd, you know, they'd, they'd, be, they'd be delighted to hear that you were Irish because in their mind, they're like, oh, the, you know, the crack has arrived now. Here we go. Like they'd be getting really <laughs> excited and and they'd immediately start telling us a story about some previous Irish travellers who they had great fun with and were a great laugh. Do you, do you, and do you and know the old really from of kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, they, yes. That, that happened a few times, actually. Anyway. That, that, and we actually knew, I think on one occasion, we did actually know the person who, <laughs> who they were talking about. <laughs> Going
6: on, you're, you're Cambodian now. Where next and when do you get back? And when is the book coming out? You must have a book in you after this. But,
9: uh, no, I, I don't know about a book now, although honestly I, I probably have enough to, to, to write one at this stage. Yeah, I've so so many stories to tell about about the Amazon and the, the hunter-gatherer trials you stayed with there as well. That was that was probably the, the best thing we did. But we're we're in Cambodia now um and we're heading up to um Angkor Wat in a in a day or two, and then from there we're gonna head into Thailand. Uh, and uh, we're going to be home at the end of November, so we'll be just t- about ten months in total. We'll have will have done it, and we'll have we'll have gone around, gone around the world.
6: And tell me, when you get off the plane and you get back into Ireland, will you love home more or
9: less? Well, I, I I will absolutely love it more. I actually can't I can't wait to be home in in so in 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 so many ways. Like partly for the food, I really miss Irish food, but but. Honestly, PJ, the thing I miss most is Irish people. We really miss Irish people. As soon as we, we, we meet them, you know, you just you just can immediately start having the crack with them. Like, you, you know, mean, wherever... You mean
6: they, didn't, they didn't have bacon and cabbage in that pub in Argentina, no?
10: <laughs> no, 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 they didn't. They absolutely did not.
6: <laughs> Conan, yeah, sa- yeah. safe travels and good to speak to you. It's Conan O'Brien, his partner, Fia. They're travelling around the world at the moment. You'd be dead jealous, wouldn't you? They're in Cambodia at the moment. And I have a better connection to Cambodia than I sometimes have to Churchfield. Isn't that just the way it goes? Now there's an emer- every week there seems to be a new story coming out about a bit of a building falling off, a bit of a roof falling down, or a chimney pot or slates coming down. And on Wednesday, the emergency services had to actually block off part of Barrack Street over an unsafe roof. And it's another derelict building that could and should, you say Frank O'Connor, another derelict building that could and should have been done up and occupied. Morning.
8: Good morning PJ, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely and look, we had our first chat back in July 2020 PJ. That's right. um, so, so it's been quite a while we're having these conversations and yes it's very, very upsetting to see this happening again, you know and um, such a core part of the inner city to see a building collapsing onto the street I mean, I'm just, obviously we're just relieved that no one was underneath it, you know that there was no one hurt, as we both know we had a very serious incident back in 1999 where a young woman died and seven other people were injured Girl called
6: Aoife Bell,
8: I remember Eva it well. Bell, yeah. Eva Bell, exactly and there was seven more people injured one person very badly at the time as well and obviously we are concerned that this, this could happen again
6: And that was and an, an occupied building
8: that's it, that was. And it's a building, actually, sadly, that's still in not great repair, that part of the town where that accident happened. Those buildings are still in very, very bad uh, repair and something could happen again. So, as you know, we've been covering this for the last couple of years, myself and my partner, Jude Cherry, and we've been looking at, you know, something that needs to happen. And I suppose the first thing that could happen really is to do a full audit of the city buildings. You know, we still haven't got a full audit of buildings. I mean, this building, for example, collapsed in Bargay this week, and um, it was identified by the council in April 2021. 20, as as building of concern. Mm. If you walked past the PJ, and saw it, you could see yourself the roof was in dangerous condition. I mean, I took a photograph now back in August, just to have it for the record, to see where things were progressing. And the roof was in very bad precarious condition in in August. But it was left there, obviously nothing happened. And then we had this collapse again, you know. So it is very concerning. And I think it's affecting the the confidence in the city. It's affecting the communities. And um, it's affecting the local economy. And really, I mean, I suppose we really feel the council should act a lot quicker on this. You know, something needs to happen really, really quickly.
6: Let's talk about the benefits of of, of this for the person who owns the building or the people who own the building. What is the possible benefit, Frank? In plain, simple man's English, what's the possible benefit to someone to let a building go to rack and ruin like that?
8: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a strange one really, isn't it? Because it doesn't seem to make any sense to let a building go rack and ruin. I mean, obviously, there is that as you've seen yourself over the last few years, property prices have been rising significantly. So if you don't do anything, obviously, your property price goes up and up anyway. So it could be the fact that people are happy to hold it, speculate it, and left leave the property rise. And obviously, if the dereliction laws aren't enforced, and in many cases they're not, the council chooses not to enforce the law. So if the law was enforced, they would be paying a 7% levy every year. But if it's not being enforced, they don't have to pay that. So it seems to be something that they can afford Sitting with PJ, when people are actually dying on the streets without a house a lot of people can afford to sit in the property it doesn't make any sense, so it has to be a speculative thing, or else, like I said it's just maybe they have so many properties it's not something that, you know, they're bothered about, you know, but it mm. doesn't make any sense you know, and uh, I suppose you know, the, the council would argue that they're working with the owners and of course that process can take time but, but we have to really move much much quicker with this, you know, I mean anyone who can afford to sit in a building like that at a prime location in the city centre they can also afford to make sure the building is safe and maintained PJ obviously we want the buildings used we want everyone to have a home but what we definitely don't want is a building that's been left going to such a state that this one was that falls onto the street you know so mm. there has to be a responsibility and that's the responsibility on the owners to do something about it
6: like, If so, somebody is hurt and God forbid that it would happen but if somebody is hurt by a, a chimney pot or a slate or something falling off, or worse, falling off a derelict building. Who's responsible? Well,
8: it's a good question. I mean, I know when, when that sad case of East Bell happened, at the time there was no one found responsible as such. No idea. I know we went into script proceedings after it that. It was
6: an occupied, an occupied building, possibly best not to go with that one, but it, again, an unoccupied building, Frank. If you yeah. know the owner, are they responsible?
8: Well, you'd like to think they're the, they're responsible, you know. I mean, they know the owners. The council have said it's taken a while to find out who the owners were, and that goes back to again. If we had a full stock, all the stock of the buildings and the owners in the city as a starting point, it would be much easier to, to take the next stage. So, surely, I would say it's the criminal negligence on behalf of the owners. You know, it's their respons- It's all our responsibility to look after our properties to make sure they don't no fall onto the streets. And this is a public thoroughfare, it's a, it's a very popular street for people to for walk into town for students and everyone else. So surely the owners have to take responsibility for this.
0: Do
6: you, uh, apart from the fact that these buildings are an eyesore, apart from the fact that we could be using the spaces to house people or to run businesses and boost our economy, do, do you fear, Frank, that someone will be seriously injured or killed, that there will be, God forbid, and I say this with fingers crossed, that there will, do you fear another Aoife, Bell?
8: Oh, I think um, the last two days, I think we've myself and Jude talked about it a lot. We've been talked about it anyway, but I think at the moment, definitely, you know, I just feel that this is just—I mean, the bill this week was just a step too far. I mean, it just so the fact that the council knew it was in a precarious condition, you know. Yeah. I mean, and they didn't do anything about it, and they left it happen. Yes, I am very concerned. Yeah. i mean, sadly, I am concerned, and we're, we just—we just don't want to see that happen, PJ. Do we? we don't want to see, the is still. I think the. Yeah. the it, it, it's still in people's minds what happened in 1999. It's still as you told. Oh, to I still remember it. Day. I was, I
6: was, I went down to to cover the story that day, so I still remember it very well. Frank, you have—is it Instagram or Twitter you use to show us pictures of the buildings? Fine. Yeah,
8: yeah, Twitter. It's at Frank O'Connor on Twitter and that's you Cherry. Yeah. and like I said, there's a lot of people now also doing doing likewise. We're very pleased that people are getting involved more, not just in okay. Cork across the country. And I suppose really, it's important to keep the pressure on. You know, okay. And the, And uh, thanks for your continued
11: support
6: as well, TJ. Not at all. Talk to you any time, Frank. Frank O'Connor. Frank underscore O'Connor or Jude Sherry on Twitter. Pictures of derelict buildings. Buildings that shouldn't be derelict. They're owned by someone. They've fallen to bits. They could be owned, occupied and in use. Thank you, Frank.
0: Cork loves the arts.
3: We do too.
0: That's why we bring you The Arts House.
3: Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM.
0: Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them.
3: The Arts House. Sunday
0: mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home.
3: Sports, 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818
0: 96, 96,
3: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
0: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
0: On Cork's 96FM.
3: Yeah, that GoFundMe. We're talking to Edward O'Reilly
6: there in the first hour of the show. You remember Edward and his partner. They have triplets born to a surrogate. The triplets are currently in Kenya. The lads are back in... His partner are back in Ireland now because they can't afford to stay there any longer. And they owe 38,000 because of the whole... Story, you'll hear it back on podcast. What's happened to them a little later on, but they're running a GoFundMe to help try and help them. And I'm very happy to say that since we ran the story uh, after nine this morning, and I am almost sure it is is opinionated, listeners have knocked nearly twelve hundred quid onto that GoFundMe, which is still there and will be there. They need thirty eight thousand. It now stands. It stands at. It stood at just over thirty thousand as we came to air, then we spoke to Edward, and I'm delighted to say it's now at over 31,300. So nice to see Opinion 9 listeners responding to that. And we've shared it on our Twitter if you want to give them a few quid towards that. 0818 96 the number the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email, opinion at 96 I'm talking to Donna in just a sec because just like we decided to get behind Edward and and the babies we're going to get behind Donna because we think Donna needs help she needs some people involved who know the IT business and we're going to see what we can do because it's quite a sad story Uh, I'll let her tell you herself in a minute or two but in the context of all this drama drama at 10 Downing Street and Liz Truss out, and will it be Rishi Sunak? Will it be Penny Mordaunt, or could Boris make an audacious return uh, to Number Ten Downing Street? Yeah. All of that, as as a political hack myself and someone who covered the Doyle and Shannon and Council Chambers for Donkey's years, I, I really miss the buzz of covering a big political story like this. And I'm to point to mention a former colleague uh, here on the radio station and indeed a dear friend, uh, Brenda Dennehy. Brenda started, she went to London a while back and we talked to her from London only a week or two ago and indeed we were talking to her after the Queen's death. Brenda started a new job this week in Sky News working in their production department I mean talk about a week to start a new job so congratulations B, and good luck in the new job and maybe we'll see you over the Christmas 0818 96 96 96 now Donna my sincere condolences uh, at the loss of Susan it was very sudden what happened to her? Good morning to you um,
12: Good morning PJ I um, well, following a short illness, um, she she passed away quite suddenly. Um, yeah, um, it 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 was um, like I, I would have been talking to her on the phone at the time when she passed away. So. Oh my God! Is yeah. That incredibly upsetting. That's yeah. sudden.
6: Wow. She was your twin.
12: Yeah. yeah, identical twin.
6: Right. And she died two days before your birthday.
12: Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I got confirmation on the day before her birthday um, from London, you know, from the hospital and, yeah, a lot of people didn't know, so therefore um, on our social media, like her Facebook page, there would have been lots of, you know, birthday, you know, happy birthday um, messages and so on with people... You know, not re- realizing what happened. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was getting a lot of alerts, and because, because she died yeah, like you said, two days
6: before your birthday, and and then yeah. as happens on Facebook in particular, birthday notifications come up, and people didn't know about the tragedy that it had befell the family. So it must have no. been very hard that day. Loads and loads of notifications and happy birthday and all that. That yeah. that's agonizing.
12: Yeah. yeah, it it was. Um, it was very upsetting but um you know the, there was no way that I, I, I could, you know, advise people as to what had happened. Um a couple of days beforehand now a, a family member um reached out to a lot of people and advised them, you know, through her Facebook, you know, through Messenger and um yeah, that that, that was the only thing we could do but Yeah, Yeah.
6: Two days after she died, all this birthday stuff. So I think what she wanted was to make sure it doesn't happen again Donna.
12: Yeah, sure. Um, At the same time um, a lot of people were like posting on her wall and of course a lot of people are missing her in their own way and um, some of the, the images and so on, I found them inappropriate and so therefore I you know um, went down the route of trying to um, delete her um, Facebook profile um, only quite recently and um, and instead you know instead of um, you know giving me the option to memorialize and, and so on, After I had pressed delete, um, it just obliterated her account, which I found very, very upsetting because it didn't give me the opportunity to um, download photographs or to save anything or, you know, um, yeah, so So people need to be very careful with that.
6: Yeah, yeah, so so obviously all of the birthday greetings and stuff, that was upsetting in itself, but then you tried to to get rid of the Facebook page and you wanted to, I'm sure there was plenty on it, you wanted to save. So there was no other option, just delete it. That was it?
12: No, there would have been three other options, but I guess I thought it was going to be a lengthy process and I didn't think that they were going to delete it that quickly. I thought that there would be some kind of um you know push and pull with them and you know whereby they would contact me and say are you sure and all of this kind of thing but no they within minutes I received um an email you know saying your sister's account has been deleted and I got you know um nothing else from them. Now granted um Adrian Markler, the guy who um uh, wrote a piece for the Irish Independent. Um, He got in in touch with Facebook and there's, um, you know, conversations um, happening between him and them. But um, so far as Google goes, um, they did get in in touch with me um, because I needed to access her Gmail account. And um, but um, when I followed you know, the the process that they had in place, they asked me to um, you know, find a US attorney.
13: What?
12: And yeah. So um and I've been in, in touch with them. They have um been in touch with me. Um, they have phoned me and yeah, I, I, I still need to, to follow that route. And um a friend of mine who's in the US has looked into costs involved and so on and it will cost me, I think for the initial um, conversation with a US attorney it will cost me in the region of $500 and it will exceed 2000 by the time um, they actually present it to a US court in it. why in California
6: why, why does an Irish woman trying to access the Google account of her twin sister have to use an American attorney?
12: Because um, she set up her, this this is what I've been told, due to the fact that she set up her account in the UK, um, they, I, I, I think the the walls that are in place are due to Brexit. Now, that's all I know, vaguely know, yes. and um, it, I've questioned them as to what would happen if she had set up her account in Ireland. So from my knowledge um, and my experience, I think we'll be met with the same thing if an account is set up here in Ireland with, you know, an IP address that's, Mm. you know, Ireland-based. But yeah, um, it's something that none of us realised, you Mm. know, that we would be met with this um, request. To find a US attorney now you that's, know I, I don't have many contacts in, in the US so I'm sure a lot of us don't and yeah that's yeah. what we, we were met with
6: because you believe and you want to get into her Gmail because you believe that Susan might have a will in there
12: yeah, yeah because at the end of the day we all you know receive all kinds of correspondence with any you know elect you know electricity or you know landlords and so on all of our utility bills would be sent electronically now and um so therefore any kind of correspondence you know of the seriousness that would relate to a will would have been sent to her electronically, and I I can't access her Gmail account at all. And it's amazing, and, uh, you know,
6: because, uh, Donna, I'm sure you've tried it, like, like Google have a massive Irish operation.
12: Huge, yeah. And I, you know, where I live in Dublin, I, I live very near the complex, and and i'm not getting you know any kind of oh response from an irish correspondent here So and you're looking at you're looking the same at the with building
6: Facebook. you're looking at this enormous i'm, I'm looking
12: at the building i have to pass it every day when i'm on my way to work
6: and they want um, you to get a lawyer in the us to talk to them
12: there yes exactly that's crazy so um crazy. and even i i asked if i got an irish solicitor you know, would that be, you know, of use? And I was told, um, yeah, you know, I can get an Irish solicitor, but basically it would act as a, a middleman, whereby if I get a, an Irish solicitor, the Irish solicitor would have to get in touch with the U.S. attorney, who will then in turn um present it to um, the U.S., or at the US um, court,
6: there are. So
12: it's just in, I'm I'm paying extra, there and are I can fill out that
6: for myself. Sorry to cut across you, Donna. there are individuals no in the Irish legal system, solicitors and barristers who would be licensed also to practice in the United States or to to operate in the United States. Have you been able to find yeah. any of them?
12: Um, I haven't um, even tried because um, the. The form that they sent to me, I can fill it out myself for sure because they just ask um, a few very specific questions like her email address and, you know, my email address and, and you know, um, they request a death search and stuff like that. So um, in order for me to get a, you know, an Irish-based solicitor, um, it, it's basically just bringing in a middleman Tisha. I can do it myself you as be it able turns to, out and with,
6: with, and a, they, with a death cert you should be able to just hand them the death cert and say look that's my
10: sister's death uh,
12: cert. Yeah that, that's what I what I did initially in order for me to get the response that I did but let's say if I got an Irish solicitor you know as you said who's well versed in that particular law Um it would basically be a case of them having to contact a U.S. attorney, and the U.S. attorney then presents it to the court. So this is ridiculous. It's a, another stepping stone that's unnecessary. So an Irish legal representative can't um, present this to a U.S. court. It needs to follow that protocol. Yeah. Utterly,
6: utterly ridiculous. So the face, yeah. the Facebook situation is that her account has been deleted, but you want to get access to it so that you can get some precious things out of it for yourself. The Google situation yeah. is you can't even get in without spending money on, a, on, on a, an attorney in the United States.
12: Yeah, yeah. Um, so with Facebook, um, I was given four options. Now, I don't know them offhand. That's Okay. Um, But the two most important ones would have been memorialise and delete. And I selected delete because um, I didn't think it was going to happen instantaneously, as mentioned uh, previously. I thought it would be a lengthy process where it would give me the option to process my decision and there would be some kind of to and fro, but they deleted it. And now it's... Completely gone, and I'm trying to reinstate her um, Facebook account so that I can, um, you know, memorialize the page.
6: I see. You I know, see. so I, I was there like, a, It's there on a server. It's not, nothing it, is ever gone. It's
12: absolutely there. Nothing is yeah, ever without gone. a shadow it's of there on a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure.
6: Donna, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to reach out to uh, Pat Phelan and one or two other people who, who know this this game better than me and better than you and better than us. And yeah. we're going to see what help we can find. Because what this sounds to me like, if you were a powerful company or a powerful individual, um, yeah. you know, Facebook or, or, or Google wouldn't be messing you around like this. Uh, so we're going to see if we can get some muscle for you. All English and the examiner will take this up as well for you. And and we'll sure. drive we'll drive it on. We'll see if we can find yeah. some there's gotta be somebody who can pick up the phone to Google and say, Let's cop on. Just cop on and sort it out. Because they got yeah. like you said, you I cannot imagine the pain. You walk past that building in Dublin, the Google building.
12: Yeah. And and yeah.
6: someone up there could just at the click of a mouse let you into your sister's account
12: exactly yeah that's it exactly and i i guess um, judging by m- my experience um i just hope that everyone shares their um you know um login details with each other now um uh, like again like due to everything being you know, very tech with, you know, my interaction with tech giants, let's say. I would say write it down on a piece of paper like I have and send it to your solicitor, whoever you've written a will with, or a a loved one, like I've shared my details now with my young son. And, um, you know, just that everything is in order um, to that extent because it's something that we don't expect is going to, you know, be an upsetting process following the passing of someone
6: close. So you're literally literally being asked to go to America, find an attorney, get into court to convince someone in Ireland to click a mouse. It's just absolutely daft. Donna, as I said, we've got contacts. We're going to see what we can rustle up in terms of an expert and see if we can't get some muscle behind this. To get this sorted out for you, we're going to talk to you after the show and see if we can't get sure. some expert advice for you on Monday. But before I let you go, tell me about tell me about Susan. What was she like?
12: Oh, she was amazing. She was um, a makeup artist for Mac. She was a very talented um, musician. She was a guitarist. We used to play back in the day and. The village and Sir Henry's. um She was the singer and guitarist of Amazonic Siege. Hang on yeah, a second! So...
6: No, 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 no! Seriously, no! <laughs> you used to play in the village.
12: Yeah, we in the Shroud My God, we, you, I worked
6: there for years.
12: Really? Okay. We probably fell over each other. You obviously were a fan of hers. <laughs> oh my I'll God! I'll you an autograph sometime. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so we used god. to. Yeah, we were like um, Erlin's first female rock band. I yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was myself, Susan, and um, uh, Jenny O'Brien. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you would have You would have, you know. The world is seen only this, a, the sure. world
6: is only a village,
12: Donna. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Oh my god! Listen, we get whatever muscle we can.
12: Behind yeah, you, thank and you. see
6: if we can't persuade the person who needs to click a mouse to click the bloody mouse. All right.
12: Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> out! Thank you,
6: yourself. PJ. Cheers, Donna. Okay. Cheers, cheers, Donna. Oh God, I might. I remember. I remembered that musicians in the shoal value. I know I'm showing my age. Who cares? 96 There, 96 96. there's lots of people out there who, who should be able to know what to do with that. But there she is, she's walking past... Just think about this now, right? She's walking past Google on her way to go about her daily business and somewhere in there is someone who could click a mouse and give her access to her sister's account. And they want her to go and find a lawyer in America to make a court application in America so that they can click that mouse. That makes no sense to me. I don't know about you. The takeover
0: on Corks 96 FM. Weeknights from seven on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. I'm good,
3: yeah, I'm feeling- You pick what we play. See
0: our song list on 96 FM Insta Stories with Sophie's Rooftop Restaurant at the Dean Cork, serving lunch daily over breathtaking views. See sophies.ie. Turn up the music
3: on Cork's 96 FM.
0: Here's a cool fact: a
14: crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
6: Now, as I said before many times on The Opinion Line, I'm a lifetime non-smoker. I've never smoked in my life. But I always thought that the smoking ban back in the day was a bit heavy-handed. Now, everyone's used to it at this stage, uh, except possibly some smokers, but people that are used to it now. It just exists. You can't smoke in the pub. You can't smoke in the workplace. You can't smoke in shops and things like that. But Stephen Donnelly, Minister for Health, um, is planning on extending it now. Uh, according to the Irish Independent, for example, people will no longer be able to smoke in public parks or on beaches. So you're out for a walk Saturday morning in the regional park in Ballincollig, or the community park in Douglas or Fitzgerald's Park or any park you can't have a smoke. Or on beaches under plans being considered by government. Now, I seem to remember that there was an original piece of legislation that covered beaches. But, but that having been said, I, I don't know if it was ever enforced. But they're looking to extend it and possibly even, as one outlet saying this morning, possibly even bus queues and other public outdoor areas. John Mallon, Forest Island. As, as, as you know, I've, I've, I've always had some sympathy... For, for smokers affected by the ban, but, but was it you were telling us that be, it, it's been banned in beaches for ten years anyway? So it's just never been enforced. Good morning,
10: good morning, PJ. Thank you for the invitation to join you. um No, uh, there was, uh 2012 April 2012. um It was uh, Minister Riley at the time, the Health Minister James uh, Riley. James put it forward as a proposal to ban smoking beaches, and he said that he 'd have it in by the end of the year, and that was the end of it and If you were caught smoking beaches, um, the tobacco police would shoot you dead <laughs> or something to that effect anyway i don 't think it ever got into legislation and like like this morning. Um, you know, this is the same thing. This is a proposal uh, from from uh, from Donnelly, now uh, the new health minister. But on on, on um, another station this morning on on uh, the news program, Philean McGrath, a question. Uh, shouldn't the health service be focused on real problems? And, and uh, you know, is this is is this a, a distraction of some kind that he's attempting to introduce? So there's, there's other more pressing issues. Yeah. But uh, like at the time, uh, the defence of it is very simple. Um, you introduced very correctly that the smoking ban came in, and it was based apparently on uh, on sound scientific evidence that smoking in in a walled-in area. That it was based on the fact that you would be in a room with windows and doors closed, and you would have you know a hundred smokers smoking, uh, and and the, the, on the basis of that, um, mm. the ill health could be caused. Uh, now it would be very you know it would take a very long time, um, but but people who didn't smoke would be subject to the smoke could uh, become unwell over a very long period of time and I, I don't mind telling you smoke. John
6: I don't mind telling that that one thing, one element of that that was welcome was as a, as a, a jobbing DJ at the time, you know, being in, at an event, being a, a, in a club or in a pub and playing my trade, to be able to get up the following day and there wasn't a stink off my clothes, that was
10: lovely yeah, and uh, PJ, I have every sympathy with that. I really do. Um, now, uh, at the time, obviously, it was it a was very, very difficult thing for smokers because, you know, the pub was always... The, the drink and the cigarette went hand in hand, if you like. It was like bread and butter at the time. Um, but we got over that. we have cope with it. Mm. Uh, smoking is legal, so obviously the, there's no problem there. But, you see, the introduction of the ban was based on science. They had uh, all this uh, epidemiology, which is, you know, the science of statistics, basically. But they had this backing them up uh, and so it was possible to put through legislation. Mm. There is no evidence anywhere, anywhere on the on the planet, uh, no scientific evidence of harm to non-smokers in, in if, if from smokers in the open air, because smoke is is hot number one, so it rises and dissipates, mm-hmm. um, and you can't prove any any difficulty because you can't collect the smoke; it goes so quickly, and that is you don't even need a windy day for that. So this, this is not evidence-based uh, laws. This isn't science. This isn't uh, medicine, even. Um, this is nonsense. It, it, it's prejudice and intolerance is what this is. Or a minister, as Sydney as, uh, as McGrath suggested, uh, who might be looking for a bit of a distraction away from his department with the winter coming.
0: Yeah.
6: Now, yeah. Mick was on, he said, beaches, and I have to say, not so much in Ireland, but I've come across this overseas, beaches are ruined by the top of cigarette butts. And, and I'd have to agree there. I remember being on beaches with my kids on holidays and digging sandcastles as you do and trying to pick out the cigarette butts. like yeah. That's not it, nice, John.
10: It's, it's not nice, no. But again, that's been a different subject. That, that, that's been... Um, I've I, I talked with various councillors around the country. I've talked about banning smoking in town centres because of the litter created. Uh, I remember two summers ago there was uh, a big hoo-ha about uh, loaded nappies being found on beaches and still burning barbecues and so on I remember Uh, as well and burning barbecue, some That's, the, that's other just than the barbecue Irish, is what that is, John. Well, well, but I, I do say the smokers, and I said it at the time. Smokers should be considerate to non-smokers and to others around them. Um, and in terms of litter, uh, they should. There were years ago, I think it was Waterford City Council uh, issued these. Um, uh, they were kind of a foil ashtray. They were yeah. cheap throwaway thing. So, <laughs> uh, but basically, yeah, but they, did, they, they did throw you, them away. No, you could put your cigarettes in them and uh, and, and wrap that, wrap this foil around the man without the cigarette. The problem with the cigarette is it isn't unlike, say, uh, the core of an apple. You can't put it in your pocket and take away and dispose of it later. Um, So the cigarette's hot and burning. Uh, So uh, there were, uh, at at one time, facilities. I remember on Patrick Street, they they, they erected a whole pile of ashtrays around Patrick Street at one period. Um, They seem to have been taken away now. There's one or two of them left. Uh, I remember outside hospitals, the Marcy had a a big ashtray on the wall and another one around the corner. They took them down. And, you know, they, they took them down, but people still smoked. And then what do you want people to do with burning? Burning? Uh, you know, mm. if there was some sort of facility, even even a tin with sand on it in the ground, people would use it. Yeah. You know, something, an empty uh, biscuit tin with sand on <laughs> it, it, it. It's a small thing. Do, but do yes, you think this will go anywhere, John? I, I don't think so. I, I But I, I do think it's a chance for, for Stephen Donnelly to get his name in the papers, but I don't. You know, I, like when you think of it, how, how do you enforce a ban like that? Uh, where does a beach, a beach begin and end? Can you smoke on the road beside a beach, in the car park? If there's a grass verge running along beside the beach, can you smoke on that if you're standing on it? Uh, do you have to go into the sea to smoke? You know, all these stupid things. Can you and, imagine
6: and being the poor park warden down at Ballincollig Regional Park on a Saturday morning?
10: <laughs> Put out that... Mm. You know? I know it, it, it's ridiculous, and then it's a park warden allowed to find you. That's another question. You know, I, I, it's one thing a that can find you, can stop you, and send I you know. a summons and find can you. Can you
6: imagine the reaction you're going to get from Sergeant O'Sullivan in the Garda Station? Would you ever come down here, Sergeant, as a fella smoking in the park?
10: <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> <you> <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense somewhere or other. You know these things. And this isn't based on health. Um, you know. And at what point people people have decided to smoke? Um, we have recommended for years education that there should be constant education for, for people thinking of taking it up uh, about the dangers of it. That was never there in my time. Yeah. But but it, that that would cost money. Far easier to introduce a ban and then walk away from it, because, of course, it won't make any difference, but just walk away from it and mm. say, look at the things I did when I was the minister. You know, it seems to be that that style of an exercise. It's disappointing.
6: It reminds me of a story I heard during the summer about some place in Spain. Now, I haven't been able to figure out whether it was fake news at the time or, or someone's idea of a joke, but they said they were going to ban people whittling in the sea. <laughs> That's right. And, and they were <laughs> going to fine people for... Peeing in the sea And I asked one question How the hell
10: do you police
6: this? I know Do you, have a, do you, do you have a scuba diver
10: going around? There is apparently um, for, for swimming pools There's a chemical you put oh, in there the pool is. Yeah, And yeah. The, wa- the water turns b- b- yellow or something that's that's I don't right, know. Yeah. But, but, but uh, the sea, that's, uh, that's a different one It it's, is, I mean How do you enforce it? Well, it's the it's that, unenforceable
6: um, Completely unenforceable And you think this would be too?
10: I do, yeah. There was uh, several years ago, again, it was, it was James Riley, um, he was introducing a ban on people smoking with children in the car. And then UCD and two other universities... No, I'd agree
6: with that one, John, to be honest. Yeah,
10: that's fine. But UCD and two other universities then uh, did a research project across Dublin. And they they sent people out to busy junctions in Dublin, students with the pads, recording incidences of of, uh, somebody smoking a car. And over over a period of, of three days or something like that, they looked at 1,700 cars where people were smoking. And only one instance was there a child in the car. And then it, it, it became a bit of a joke because I remember being on a radio station one morning where a woman rang, in. you know, we, I was, we were debating this one, and the woman rang in and she, she said, what happens in a car if the child is smoking? She says, I, I have a boy of 17, I can't, I can't control, and he smokes in my car. So, you know, so you, you get into all these silly situations. So, so you're dogs, you suggesting,
6: know? John, look, it's unenforceable nonsense and it's just the Minister of Health trying to get his name in the paper. That's what you think.
10: Well, I I am perhaps he's sincere about it, but I don't think it'll go anywhere. I'll
6: yeah. that way. All right, we'll see how my listeners think. John Mellon of Forest Ireland, 96. eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I've had my rows with John, but I'm with him on this. Like trying to enforce a ban on smoking in the public park on a Saturday morning or any morning of the week is ridiculous. You might as well try and stop someone smoking when they're walking up Patrick Street. It's not enforceable. And as for the beaches, just just put ashtrays where people can keep the beaches clean. This is unenforceable. Here, I got it. I got it. Thanks, Ames. Uh, She found this for me. Um, Beach cores in Spain. This came up. It was in Galicia, in uh, the beach of Samil, in the Galicia area of Spain. And the the local council there made urinating in the ocean a finable offence. Scenario called Vigo. The fine explicitly states that peeing in the sea or on the beach could get you a fine of 750 euro. The fine is due to public urination being a hygiene and sanitary risk. That's fine. Vigo council were to install public toilets and said the rule was part of a drive to clean up local beaches. But you can't pee in the ocean, they said. And everyone said, well, how on earth are you going to police that? Now look, it's not the nicest thing to do. It's not the healthiest thing to do. It's bad for coral reefs and other such things. But how are you going to enforce it? It's a fabulous photograph here of one of the nicest beaches in Spain is in uh, San Sebastian. The beach is in the city centre. It's fabulous if you've ever been there. And there's thousands of people on the beach and hundreds of people in the water and how are you going to enforce it but they did, they brought this in and they never dropped it so you can fine, in parts of Spain you can be fined 750 euro if you're caught having a whittle in the sea how are they going to catch you though would be my question there's another thing too and I don't know if this is the same with women Okay, and I'll say this as delicately as I can when you get into the sea, particularly if the water is a small bit cold, it's, it's almost a reaction of your body to make you want to pee. That is my experience. Anyway, but 750 euro for whittling in the sea. How much are they going to fine you for smoking at the beach, I wonder? About time, says this message. If people want to smoke, they can go somewhere else or do it in their own homes and not ruin it for the kids and families trying to enjoy themselves. About time for this ban, says Patrick. As if it's ever been forced, says Fergal. And the politicians should put a ban on the amount of pensions they take. Leave people have a smoke if they want to smoke. This is crazy, says Tom. Your thoughts welcome.
3: Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM.
0: Your guide to nightlife on Side.
15: Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Trash Culture Review's Premier Edition is bringing together 15 Cork artists working under the radar for one night only in one of Cork's finest venues, the Kino. Taking place on Sunday, October 23rd, this Premier Edition will feature a number of performances from a wide variety of artists from across the spectrum. Access all areas. Cork Orchestral Society makes a welcome return with an exciting program for autumn-winter 2022. They're pleased to announce 12 spectacular shows taking place in venues across the city, including the Solace Quartet on November 10th in the Curtis Auditorium. Tickets and details are available at corkorchestralsociety.ie Access All
3: Areas.
15: You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie
0: Access all areas. Your
3: guide to nightlife on the side
0: on Corks 96 FM.
6: Do you smoke, Anthony? Good morning. Good morning, PJ.
11: Nice to talk to you again. And you, sir? Do you smoke? Yes. Okay. I'm four months off them. now, I'm on the vape.
6: Good man. Good man. Good man. What do you make of this idea to ban them everywhere, beaches, parks?
11: Absolutely ridiculous. If people are out in the fresh air, out in the open, they want to be more worried about, like I was saying to researcher, you know, people, I heard a woman complaining that she went outside pennies and there was a load of people smoking at the front door and she was nearly choking. And I thought, uh, what about all the exhaust fumes? <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, but you know is... you're on the main street in Cork. Like
6: <laughs> buses up and down Patrick Street, coughing out diesel.
11: Yes, things. <laughs> yeah. But well I remember I lit up a cigarette a couple of years ago in Patrick Street, and um, the next thing, this woman, she was about eight people down from me. She got a coffin fit, and she was nearly going to collapse. And I said, Just get, "Oh, get a grip, like."
6: <laughs> oh, you, were you getting dirty looks like that? She was.
11: Yes. Oh God! Oh, I was like, oh, I was worse than a serial killer. <laughs>
6: As I say, Anthony, I've never smoked in my life, and but I, I sympathise. I have so many friends, well, many of them give up now, but I have friends who smoke and I never have a problem. Do you mind if I smoke? Of course I don't mind if you smoke. Do you know? Just don't blow up my face kind of thing, Do you know. Um, but this thing about banning is, I mean, I've been, I was amazed to discover when I went to a, a football match in the UK a couple of years ago, I was amazed to discover that in, in a lot of... Uh, sports stadiums, smoking is completely banned. Even though you're in the open air in the stand, I was amazed to discover that. But now they want to extend this to to parks. Out for a, out for a walk in the in a park with the dog, and you can't have smoke.
11: If someone wants to have a cigarette, have a cigarette. I mean, we have a government now at the moment that want to open up injection centres to make people more comfortable to take the most deadliest drug on the planet and they want to cr- 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 clamp down on smokers Yeah, you know it just doesn't make sense
6: it's a fair point it's a fair point yeah the football stadium thing is fire safety uh,
11: yeah well yeah that's fair enough even well Biffo was caught smoking at a football match wasn't I he? remember
6: that photograph he was yeah apparently there'd be holes in the seats and if you got a cigarette butt dropped into the foam and you'd, you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, anyway, who's going to enforce it? Who's going to call a guard to Fitzgerald's Park on a Saturday morning and say, do you hear that fellow, see that fellow over there walking the dog, he's smoking. What guard is going to go and enforce that?
11: Oh, you would. You'd get some grouch that would ring up, all right. But you wouldn't go with a guard, come out, like? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> You'd be lucky to see one of them anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, they yeah. they do a good enough job, but I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, But I know there are states in America where it's actually illegal to smoke all right on the street. Yes, there are parts of America, Yeah, yeah. So, do we want to go down that road? Yeah. I mean, that's the least of our problems, really
6: of a point, haven't you? You have. There, there are bigger, there are bigger problems in our community. Without, yes. Without that.
11: Yes, we have homeless people. We have, I mean, in the GPO here, it's common knowledge. Every Wednesday, when disability is paid, that all the dealers are out. Yeah. And you know, there's not a car to be seen.
6: Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point, Anthony. Thank you for your call. 0818 96 96 96. If people want to smoke, that smokes smoke, says Donald. It would be more in the line to stop giving themselves pay rises. They make a lot of money out of cigarettes. I was in Davis in North California in the early 90s. The university campus then was smoke-free. The following year, the city was smoke-free. I don't smoke, but that's stupid, says another message. The guards would be busy. I wonder if a guard on the beat, a guard on the beat, mice, mice enforce something like that. You probably get one or two of them who would enforce it. Um, and if you're driving, has anyone out here who smokes and smoke ever been stopped driving a van or driving your car? Have you ever been stopped in your car or driving a company van? Because if you're driving a company van, I learned this a few years ago if you're driving a company van you're at work uh, you're in your workplace so you can't smoke in the workplace yeah Fergal was telling me here he, in my ear he was driving a company van for a place he worked a few years ago and uh, when he was stopped they queried if it was a company van and, and they wouldn't stop it specifically for it but you know, you know what I'm saying because I remember at the time that debate, that if you were driving the van for part of your work, you were at work. And the van was your workplace. And the smoking ban covered your workplace. So therefore, you couldn't actually smoke in the van. Now, Fergal owned the van. But I wonder if he'd been smoking in the van that the company... You know, it's... It, but. They just complicate things with, the, with these, with these bans. 0818 96 96 96. You can party on a beach and a park with glass bottles and drugs. and You can light fires, put rubbish everywhere, but you won't be able to sit and have a smoke. The country is in a mess, including the health service, and this is Stephen Donnelly's priority. Unbelievable, says Desi. Yeah, it is a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah, there's a thing, if you were in a company van, like you are smoking in a company van, will they warn you or will they actually charge you with something? Do you know? There's so many grey areas and they're just going to create some more. Paul says that I said I spent my childhood picking cigarette butts out of sandcastles. Are you sure you're not exaggerating? Well, I didn't say that. All. What I said was that when my kids were small and we took them on holidays and were building sandcastles with them, I found myself. There was one beach in particular, and it was, it was a Spanish beach. It wasn't here in Ireland. It was a beach in Spain on the island of Menorca. I can't remember the name of it, but we actually stopped going to that beach because there was so much fag butts, or so many fag butts. In the sand, we actually stopped going to that particular beach. But I don't like. If you want to smoke, smoke. Blessings of God, you Please find a better way of disposing it than throwing it into the sand on a beach.
0: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96.
3: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
0: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
0: On Cork's 96FM.
6: Just keeping an eye on the GoFundMe. We started out the Opinion Line this morning talking to Edward O'Reilly. He and his partner, the parents of surrogate triplets, born in Nairobi uh, early September. Born through surrogacy, they'd paid a lot of money to organize the, the surrogacy. And then when they got over, they realized that a lot of bills hadn't been paid and they can't get the, the babies home now. And Pat or Edward is very concerned and worried and upset and all that. And they need to raise about 38,000 to settle all of the bills that are due and square everything away. And once they do that, the the triplets are ready to be discharged from the hospital. And he was talking to me this morning on the opinion line. And when we began talking, their GoFundMe stood at 30,200 euro. Now, I don't know if it's all opinion line listeners, but I would certainly like to think that a lot of you have reached into your hearts and into your wallets and uh, thought about this little appeal because I can tell you now that since we spoke to Edward on the show after nine, it's gone from 30,200 euro to 32,035 euro. And I certainly would like to think that a lot of that is down to opinion line listeners this morning and your wonderful people. You're wonderful, kind people, and hopefully they'll get to the 38,000. It's not their fault. They got caught. They got stung. There's extra bills here, there, and everywhere, and they just want to get the, the babies home. PJ, I was just wondering if those men had signed a contract with that surrogacy agency, and if so, will they challenge the breach of being overcharged? Their priority is to get the triplets home, but that breach is unacceptable. It all sounds very fishy And to be offered fast-tracked birth certs for extortionate money and all that. It raises red flags. It did. It did. Will they publish the agency name so others can avoid dealing with that agency? That could be legally problematic, unfortunately. It's misleading and dishonest and all that. Maureen, thank you. But yeah, all those things. To smoking, the possible extension of a smoking ban to public parks and beaches and other such places.
16: And do you smoke? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I do, I do. I smoke myself.
6: Right. What do you think right, of this? Right.
16: Well, I just wanted to put it to you. Would you not think that this could be another money-making scheme for the city? The way they have dog wardens and they have traffic wardens. No, they'll have smoking wardens. You know? <laughs> could you imagine them standing behind trees and jumping out, taking photographs of people smoking and bang, here's your fine?
6: Did you ever hear the old political expression... You might very well think that. I couldn't possibly comment.
16: Well, I think think it is a plausible thought, really. Traffic wardens, litter
6: wardens, dog wardens, smoking wardens.
16: Mm
6: Mm-hmm. You are a smoker.
16: I am, I am, but I wouldn't smoke in a child's face. I wouldn't, if I was in a a playground as I see all other parents or, you know, whoever has children in playgrounds or beaches and whatnot, or GA pitches or anything like that, yeah. people that smoke, they tend to go to the side. They tend to, to roll, go over walk the,
6: around the block.
16: Yeah, you tend to go to the side, you know, you stand by a wall. You wouldn't... People don't tend to do it right in kids' faces or anything, you know, or yeah. other people's faces, so I don't see the need for, the, for it.
6: Yeah, yeah. You know? Do you feel it's a bit of an invasion of your civil liberties? Well? <laughs>
16: it's a bit extreme. You know, annoying. are they going to be policing people's front gardens? You know, <laughs> going up and down the stairs. Oh, look, they're smoking in the garden. You know, how far will
0: it go? There's a thing.
6: Yes, there's a thing. You're in your front garden in the summertime. Hmm. Um. In at your at your deck or back garden at your. Are mm. you allowed to smoke there? Well, of course you can smoke in your own house whenever you want to, can't you?
16: Well, I don't. I don't because I have kids. Yeah. I don't smoke in the house.
6: Yeah. Yeah you, yeah, you can, you can see a, a lucrative income stream there for a smoking yep. ward.
16: Yeah, definitely.
6: I like your way of thinking, Anne. Thanks very much. Bear? Hi, PJ. Okay. Hi, do you smoke, Bear?
2: Do I what? Do you what? <laughs> do I what? Listen now, PJ. I have been absolutely fantastic with all the laws that have come to smoking. You know, no smoking in pumps, fantastic and everything but this one no, is Stephen Donnelly taking the you know what I mean I would do actual time for this one <laughs> I am quite entitled to smoke where I want outside let it be a beach or a park if I just do my own thing yeah. sorry no I would do jail time where they had a beautiful smoking area <laughs> So, if Stephen Donnelly wants to do something positive for the country, tell him to ban cigarettes completely.
6: Well, should then you'd be in awful trouble, Barry. You couldn't get them?
2: Well, I couldn't get them. They couldn't get their money. So, who's worse? Yeah. You see? Hit them in the pocket. Like they hit us. And
6: you say you smoke, how many would you smoke a day? If you don't mind me I
2: smoke about 20. 20 a day? Yeah.
6: That's, yeah. that's Is that 14 quid a day?
2: Oh, sure, look, the ones, you know, that I get are nice ones, if you know what I mean. Ah. You know, people go on holidays and they, they love me. like
6: Ah, yes, yes, yes.
2: Yes, yes, yes. But other than that, I mean, I paid, you know, here. Sunshine the-
6: Tobacco Products. Pardon? Sunshine Tobacco Products.
2: Oh, yes, when you but- go on holidays, <laughs>
6: <you>? <laughs> A bit like Sunshine Pharmaceuticals, yeah.
2: Yes, and people have done that as well. You know, just leave us alone. Mr. Danley just yeah just go in and do something more positive with your time yeah. to think are we actually paying this man we are
6: paying him an extraordinary amount of, I think he earns about what's the salary of a minister at the moment about 185,000
2: oh and he, yeah. and he just wakes up with this silly silly thing to do do you know he couldn't do anything you know look after more serious things I know
6: no. Well, if you look at it now, I mean, in the news this morning, mm-hmm. we won't get this new hospital in Cork now, they're saying, for nearly four years. And and there's been another cock up with the Children's Hospital. We won't see the Children's Hospital now for, for another couple of years and more money yeah. and the whole And like you say, the best they can come up with.
2: But you it, see, I mean, that is what you call doing something positive for the country, but you can't do it. But well, you can pick on us, smokers. Get a life, Stephen.
6: <laughs> thanks and thanks and before that 0818 96 96 we're off to visit Ken Perrett and the street fleet next
15: thanks PJ we are going to be all over the city this morning and across the afternoon because today is Mercy Heroes Day now it's been Mercy Heroes Week and the response has been absolutely fantastic well done to everyone that's rolled up their sleeves and got involved Mercy Heroes Day and Mercy Heroes Week is in aid of the Mercy Kids and Teens Appeal one of the things and one of the places that the money goes from Mercy Heroes is to a service called Poon's, that's Pediatric Oncology Outreach Nurses Service this allows the, it's the only service of its kind in Ireland by the way but it allows kids with cancer to receive vital treatment in the comfort of their own home, we all know what it's like to have a sick child imagine a child that needs ongoing day to day care, to have the ability of one of these nurses to come to your home is such a relief, not just to the patient but to the entire family, Poon's nurses do such an amazing job, last year Poon's nurses travelled almost 24,000 kilometres. There's 45 families that availed from Poon's services with over 550 home visits across Ireland. This is an amazing service and something we really, really need to get behind, give some money to and encourage in as ma- any way we can. If you'd like to make a one off donation, Mercy Hospital will give you all the details. You'll find out more about the amazing work that they do and how you can be a part of this year's Mercy Heroes. Once again, Mercy Hospital Foundation. for more details and and to donate. It's proudly supported by Cork's 96FM.
6: Ken, thank you. Ken and the street fleet out there for the day supporting Mercy Hospital Foundation and the Mercy Heroes. I hope that weather clears up a bit for them uh, during the afternoon. Thanks Ken. 0818 96, 96 96 Now there's shock and consternation on the north side of Cork City. Two schools St. Vincent's and the North Press, are to amalgamate and they'll become co-ed. Now this follows a consultation process um, that ran between March of last year and February of this year. And an application will now be made to amalgamate the two schools and for the amalgamation, as it were, to become co-ed. Now, they're presently single-sex schools with all female students. And some people are not particularly impressed with the idea to go co-ed. Councillor Tony Fitzgerald's a past pupil at St Vincent's. Tony, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How do you feel How about you? this idea?
17: Yeah, I was a past pupil in the primary school. I went on to the Monday and afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's. Look, the announcement was made, I think, um, uh, internally in the school during the week, but the information coming back to is very, 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 very vague. Um, and I would be concerned about uh, some of the, the the of the process in which this is going forward. Now I understand that you know coed is 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 the, is the way forward in education, and I think there's a general consensus on that. Mm. But I think during the campaign for St Vincent's Secondary School in particular, there was a, a lot of concern from parents and teachers, uh, and indeed the pupils themselves of wanting to have um, um, single-sex education in terms of either boys or girls. Mm. And that has worked very, very well in St. Vincent's Secondary School down through the years. Um, and, you know, they are the, the teachers and the staff there are to be complimented for that. So I think there's a voice there not being heard. And um, my understanding at this point, PJ, is that if, when this goes ahead and it, it's inevitable that it will go ahead, mm. Um um, I think that there won't be a choice for parents and for pupils um, if they want to send their girls, in particular in this case to an all-girls school, so there won't be a choice, so I think that has to be addressed, because mm. uh, there's an imbalance there in education, so that's the first thing that needs to be looked Tony, at. Tony,
6: the, the, the amalgamation process comes, of course, after mm. a consultation that, as I said earlier, yes. ran for nearly a year. At what point was the co-ed idea put out there? Like, do people know with the last 12 months that this was on the table, or is it new?
17: Well, you see, the schools, they, geographically, area close, close by, of course, is the North Monastery and then the North President Farnry, which are excellent schools as well. Um, and, of course, they have decided to go co-ed as, uh, as well as part of the process, but independently of that, as well as I understand. Um, and that's fine, like, that's, mm. you know, the, the, those schools are entitled no, to do no, that. No,
6: the, no, no, the, 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 the question was, uh, if you know, you know, at, during the consultation process that ran mm. for nearly a year, between mm. or about North President Vincent's, was it mentioned at any stage that co was on the
17: table? Oh, it was, It it right. was, but if you remember if you remember that there was protests and you know meetings held at st vincent's secondary school that you know that there needed to be a choice and the choice was for girls if they wanted to attend uh, an all-girls school on the on on the north side because there is a choice across the city but there now isn't a choice uh on the north side and I think that voice just needs to be heard, PJ. Um, how that's managed is another story, but I think it has to be part of the process now mm. in the transition. And um, when another concern that I have is that my understanding is that they want to uh, transfer the, the pupils within twelve months. So there are pupils, and a bit in uh, in fifth class, fifth year, fifth year, sorry. Um, and in the middle of that, then they will have to transfer to a new school and go into a leaving class in another school. And I just think that that's a bit unfair for those pupils. Um, I, I think a two year uh, handover would be a probably better way. I think the pupils, pupils have, uh, you know, with COVID have undertaken a lot of challenges. Mm. So I think to change. You know, I, an ideal time would be to give it. A, let the process take about two years to transfer. That is my own view. Um, would would and, it and, not and be I, a
6: more prudent way to do it, Tony? Would be to close uh, in one form or another in June for the summer holidays and open mm-hmm. up in the new schools. Because if you, at any like, yes, you've got pupils having to move class in mid term. With the way the school system works, that's always going to happen unless you do it at a major stop in the year, like summer, where everyone yeah, well, leaves one school uh, and goes to another.
17: Yeah, you're 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 right, you're right there, PJ. I mean, June is the obvious time, and that probably will happen. The academic year cycle will kick in into that process. Uh, but I'm just saying that you know, if they want to do it in 12 months, I think that disrupts uh, and uh, the, the 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 pupils who are in are in fifth year at the minute that's that's the point i'm making yeah. that that if there, if there was a two-year process that there'd be an easy smooth transition that pupils who are now in transition year will know that you know that they will be they'll have two years in the new yeah. school when when that happens so is, look, is there a bigger issue or practical. is it
6: is it, the, is it the fact that the school is going to go the new the new merged which by the way i don't know what it'll be called what will it be called
17: Yes, well, the, these again—these you, you, are all the questions that need to be answered. And I think you know the 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 um the board of the 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 board of management and 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 the pupils uh, and the parents are 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 keen to know, and the staff was, obviously. Was, 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 that, a, was uh, that
6: not addressed during uh, consultation?
17: Well, this is this is where I mean the devil is in the detail, you know. And this these are yeah. that's why I'm saying there needs to be a wider consultation you know there needs to be more detail given to the to to everybody who's connected and of course to the teachers as well because there'll be implications for the teachers as well in moving but i think the focus has to be on the children yeah um um and i think that's that's the primary uh, objective of this of this process and i think you know it it's it's the parents and the pupils are entitled to the choice um but i think at this stage i'd be calling uh, you know, whatever application is made to the minister, that like that, these points would be made is to ensure that there there isn't a major disruption in 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 the pupils' sure. uh, transition and in of course in the in the staff terms of reference of contract. Mm. So look, it's it's a it's it's a challenging time. It seems to um, be bothering Vincent, a lot
6: of people. The the fact that there um, isn't going to be single sex. Someone is saying, well, there is no single. There will now be no single sex secondary schools. On the north side, is that true? That is, that
17: is, that is correct. That that is available to yeah. That is that 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 and that is what. Well, I mean, Christians across trust.
6: the road from me here—that's single sex.
17: Yes, but that's private. Like, I mean, we're talking about like there is an option there in terms of private education, but we're talking about you know, I mean, the, 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 this was one of the concerns that was raised to us as public reps throughout throughout the process. So there be no so public at, at Public, exactly, exactly. So, like, at, as I said, look, I I think there's a voice there that needs to be heard. Um, there's a huge tradition there. The quality of education from the teaching staff and the outstanding reputation that the school has over many many years is to be acknowledged. And look, we need to support those who okay. who are who are concerned in this process. But I think to ease those concern, I think there needs to be better communication and more. A consultation with the, with those involved as the process has moved with the Department of Education.
9: All
6: right, Tony, leave it there for today. I'm sure it's something we'll talk about again. That's uh, Councillor Tony Fitzgerald, past pupil of St. Vincent's Primary, went on to the Mon. Just to, and look, I'm not putting pressure on Tony to answer this question because I don't know whether that would be fair to do. But I'm reading again here that the consultation process involved stakeholders, a word I hate, I hate that word. Anyway, it involved stakeholders from the school communities and it ran from March 2021 to February 2022. Now that's a year. So in the course of that year it seems to come as a surprise to people that will be co-ed. It seems to now come as a surprise to people some people anyway that there'll be no single-sex public schools on the north side. It seems to no name seems to have been thought about for the new school. No moving over plan seems to have been thought about for the new school. Maybe I'm wrong here, but this is just me, an uh, Aegis on the radio, reading it in the paper and listening to Tony and reading the messages that we're getting here into the Opinion Line office. What were they talking about for 12 months? So if it seems co It's coming as a surprise and shock to some people. The fact that there's no name on the new school. Uh, What what, what were they talking about for the last 12 months? In the world of celebrities, there's a row has broken out now between Meghan Markle and Whoopi Goldberg. Now, look, I can take or leave Meghan Markle. I, I can, and I... You know, I was never too impressed with her on that television show of hers. Um, didn't bother me. I didn't like the show. I just didn't like the show very much. Um, she has a most charming smile. And anytime she's photographed, she, she looks fantastic. And she's had her falling out with the Royal fal- I just can take her leave, Mer- Meghan Markle. She doesn't bother me either way. But I'm a big Whoopi Goldberg fan. I love Whoopi Goldberg ever since Sister Act and Guinan. In Star Trek, I love Whoopi Goldberg, but there's a big fight has broken out now between the two of them because Megan is doing this podcast and talking about her life and her career and elements of it. She's been talking about her time on Deal or No Deal, the American version, where she was the you know, the the briefcase girl on Deal or No Deal. They open up and they show you the briefcase and that. It was she was wearing this tight red dress and she was quoted or she told about having to pull in her, this whole tightened up and make herself look t- she didn't, she, she's looking back at her time on Deal or No Deal and she feels that, you know, they wouldn't have treated a man like that Whoopi Goldberg has waded in and kind of said get over yourself girl you were the suitcase girl that's what you were there to do, get over it that seems to be what Whoopi is saying So you've two big stars. Well, I would say Whoopi is ten times the star Meghan Markle has ever been, but you've two stars slugging it out now over deal or no deal. Mary Jane, whose side are you on here? Morning.
4: Morning, how are you? Well, PJ, I'm kind of on Meghan's side in the sense of, I think she's right, like she was right in what she said in that men aren't objectified in the same way that women are um, for particularly for television. Um, Now, I understand, first of all, anyway, objectification of women is like an age-old thing. It's gone back to, you know, there was page three girls. um, And then I think maybe in the 90s, they might have kind of introduced the page seven hunks or something. But that was just literally because women were becoming more empowered. Um, And like women have been objectified in the media for years and years and years. And I think now, like, it's OK to look back on something, I think, as a woman and feel like, God, I wouldn't do that now. Like, if you look at the most basic of things, you know, would I have dated that guy, you know, 20 years ago? Probably not now, you know, so you, I think it's it's OK. I mean, the idea that Opie Goldberg is saying, like, from what I can gather, she's kind of insinuating that Meghan is is shaming, first of all, shaming women for that do that job or whatever. She's not. She's just saying how she felt. And you can't really take somebody's personal experience and run with it because you feel a different way about it. If they're experiencing, it, like if she feels like she felt objectified at the time, um, you know, you kind of, there's not a lot really you can do about that. Yeah. Um, you know, f- from a perspective of, um, of being like, you know, Meghan Markle saying that she felt felt objectified and that's why she left. That's a very valid thing to say. And I know the suitcase girls and it was the same thing with Blankety Blank and the same thing with women that were basically objectifying someone's ringing other to tell you on the game. radio yeah, I know, yeah that's it that's exactly probably what's happening I'd say I can hear you on the radio um, and I think like Whoopi Goldberg she's coming from it from a 66 year old woman's perspective as well do you know so she's uh, see, a very know, hold on, hold
6: on hold on let's stop a second now yeah a 66 year old woman's perspective I would have said she's coming at it from a hard ass actress who made it from nothing to be a megastar and has Listen, been around I'm the a block a few fan. more. Has been yeah. around the block a few more times than Meghan Markle, and is kind of saying, "Suck it up, buttercup. You made money."
4: I know, but like that's that's all very well. But if if you feel shame for something, or if you feel like you weren't treated right, like I look back on jobs that I've had in the past and. Um, mm. I remember I worked in a pub years ago and the girls wore different boy t-shirts to the boys and I wouldn't wear the girls t-shirts I was like they're too tight mm. um and, and there's you know whatever so like I think it's it's like looking back and 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 she, like Megan is talking from her perspective, Whoopi's talking from her perspective. But I suppose Whoopi is a, 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 first of all, she's a very well-respected actress and she's a comic. So she Whoopi was never in that situation to be objectified, perhaps maybe in that way either. Mm. And she's looking at it, for what, I, what I meant by saying from a 66-year-old woman's perspective, she's got so much more experience. I mean, I would listen to a 66-year-old woman's experience and think, God, you know, she's very experienced, you know, mm maybe that's the way that I feel. I mean, the way that I feel now, PJ, at 43, I wouldn't feel this way at 23. You know, she's 20 years older than Megan. So from that perspective, she's saying, yeah, okay, look, you wore a tight dress, get over it. And maybe to a degree, you know, but if if Megan is saying that that she felt shamed, and this is the whole point of her archetype, I think, podcast, is that she's speaking to people from different perspectives. And I think, like, I'm no Meghan Markle fan either, to be honest I can with you, take her leave the woman.
6: There's so, yeah. sometimes I look at her yeah. and I think she's lovely. She really does and she's got this most she's got a smile that could stop a bus. But but there are other time th- other times then I think back off, Megan, back off, you know. <laughs> I kind of I can take or leave her.
4: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like um so like yeah, and I'm the same. I kind of think like I thought she was brilliant in suits, and I really liked her as an actress in suits. And um, I thought the whole kind of um, like I do think look, she has got a really really hard time, um, from the media. And like, if you look at her past, yeah. um, she's basically like she, you know she's always been very feminist and she's always been like, you know, women should do this and women should do that. Mm-hmm. So look, obviously she she did that because she needed to make money or, you know, whatever her reasons were, you know, she was a struggling actress. And like a lot of actresses will say, you know, that they worked in Hooters or that they did those kind of game shows yes. and stuff. And like, you know, you know yourself, PJ, like the minute that a woman comes out as being successful in any way, shape or form, there's, they, you know, people will always drag up the time that they, you know, put, 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 put were in a bra knickers, you know, for some promotional shoot on Grafton Street or do you know, that sort of way. So it's it's just it's the way the world is going and I, I, I think, I can see Whoopi Goldberg's perspective but I can see, I don't think there's any harm mm. in somebody coming out and saying you know what, that was a vulnerable time in my life. I kind of yeah. did it, I felt objectified, I knew it was kind of yeah, wrong. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. Uh, Whoopi's point as well I think when she goes into it more is, look, you, the people who were watching the show or taking part in the show, just wanted the money in the briefcase. They weren't looking at you in the way you think they were looking at you. Is what Whoopi is saying. But you
4: see, but you see, that's that's all very well in theory. But then, why didn't they put an owl fella with a bad moustache holding the? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I, that's I do. the whole point of it. Like, like I think. Like, it's all very well saying that people didn't care, you know, that it was, you know, I, I don't know, academic who was holding the suitcase, or, you know, they could have put the suitcase on a rotating podium if that was the case on its own. You know, this yeah. was a big, big, big yeah. show. They had unlimited yeah. budgets, but yeah. they chose to put to do an it.
6: attractive young woman yeah. holding the suitcase. That's a point. That's a point. They could you just know. have put it up on a, on a on a table and revealed it, or Let had you Marty Whelan showing um, it off or something, you know.
4: Yeah, exactly. And like, if you remember some of the Irish, and I mean, you know, we're going back to Catholic Ireland, but some of the game shows that we had on Ireland, in Ireland and stuff, like things were coming out on a little conveyor belt. You know, they could have done it that way. But look, I suppose, you know, and at the end of the day, that kind of game show thing, sure. even look at Carl Vorderman, the amount of like drama she's getting now, because, you know, she was pictured in a tight red dress and she's 61. Like, Fair play to her.
6: Yeah, you know. But you know those things about, and you and I have talked about this, Mary Jane. You see someone on the on on the front of the paper, and they're walking down the high street in a in a tight red dress. It's amazing. There's always a photographer around,
11: isn't there? Yeah,
4: always a photographer around. <coughs> That's it. And like, you know what? Like you like okay, w- you know you you've worked in in um in media your whole car- practically your whole career, and you know you've done the the, the the more serious stuff, but I know that your colleagues would have done the fluffier stuff and whatever, and like definitely the, you know th- like I, I've listened to so many podcasts on 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 different things, and definitely like they ring the they 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 arrange for yeah. somebody to be outside to <laughs> photograph them or whatever do you, you remember
6: know? they do here's one you'll remember. do you remember michaela McCollum? The the, the, oh, the Peru too right yeah she's on her holidays in Ibiza in an Irish football jersey amazing there's a photographer
4: yeah I mean <laughs> but I like and you see yeah and you see a lot like a lot of that um you'll hear a lot of um like women celebrities and I, I'm not sure if it was Katie Price it was somebody you know in the UK anyway who said that she was dating this guy. And like she couldn't understand how every single day, you know, there was so they were being papped, and he was actually ringing the people saying, "Oh, we're going to be in this restaurant for lunch or whatever," well, you it's know. Scared, scared.
6: It? Mary Jane, <laughs> even there. Thanks, a million. You you bye, So you're, you're on to, Team Megan here, are you?
4: I I am. Or are on team you torn? Megan. A like, bit? I, no, I'm not really torn. I think like you're allowed to acknowledge that you felt objectified, yeah. and you know. Like, Whoopi Goldberg is, is saying, oh, yeah, you did it for the money or whatever. That's e- that's kind of a, an easier thing for an older woman, I think, to say. Like, I'd look at things now that might say my niece is 27. And, you know, if, if she came to me with something, I'd be like, girl, don't worry about that. That's grand. But that's a big worry for her. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. You're right. You're
6: you right. You know?
13: Yeah.
6: Yeah, got you there, Mary Jane. Cheers. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'll do this before the break, guys. Mary. Hello. Uh, yeah. You were talking about Whoopi and Megan and.
5: He, yeah. Listen, though, I just remember just when I heard the names mentioned there that um, Whoopi Goldberg was on Graham Norton there a number of years, and she yeah. was not quite giving out, but like she said that she had never been asked to appear naked in a movie. You um, know, they were talking yeah. about act. So she was never in that space. Yeah. Like she was never like her forte was her humour and her quirkiness and whatever, you know what I mean? She She could play all
6: she played many strange characters, many side characters, yeah.
5: Absolutely amazing that kind of thing. I've huge respect for but she wasn't in that space where Megan Mark like you know what I mean? And in fairness, Meghan Markle really as an actress, I think, in fairness, Whoopi Goldberg would leave her in the dust.
6: Like you said, it, you
5: know, I, didn't. I think. I, right. Okay. <laughs> no, sorry, that is my. Own no, opinion. I know, I happen
6: to agree. I'm a. I love Whoopi. I loved yeah, Sister Act, you know. and as a as a lifelong that, that Star, one, they, Star Trek they, fan, guy, and. Remember that like,
5: one about the fella and the the texting or something like that. Pa- she was in some. Ghost fabulous, was it? Um,
6: she was in Ghost no, as well. No.
5: No? Yeah, that was it. But there was someone that oh, there was some messages. She was getting messages from oh, somebody yeah, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. I know, like I know. that. The it's name was gonna She was brilliant. whoopies,
6: whoopies mentioned.
5: But I'm just saying, it's a different, you know, like kind of thing that you know what I mean. Somebody struggling, like I suppose, who has both.
6: Yeah, gotcha.
5: Like, yeah. kind of thing is in a different space. I just have, I just remember her kind of talking about that. On, and I don't know, was she a bit insulted that she'd never actually been asked or whatever? It's like, the, kind of thing.
9: The other thing about Graham, Norton, Graham uh,
6: Norton, the other thing about the Graham Norton show, Mary, as you know, i leave it there, thanks, is you never quite know, do you, when you're watching Graham? Uh, you never quite know, Is are people serious or are they taking it all the time? You don't know, like, that's, that's, Kind of why the show was so successful. 0818969696. 96 96. Cheers, Mary. This war over the crown. There is murder over the crown.
3: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text
0: or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On
3: Courts 96
6: FM. Yeah, that movie with Four People. We were trying to think of the name, and there was Jumping Jack Flash. Thanks, Mayor. 0818969696. 96 96. Judy Dench she of James Bond and many other things, has kicked out at The Crown. Now, The Crown season five starts on November 9th, drops on Netflix. Can't wait. We are big fans in my house. But Judy Dench wants them to say at the start of The Crown that this isn't all necessarily true, that this is fictionalised drama based on real events and... And real people. And I'm kind of wondering, did it really take five series for people to realise that The Crown is fictionalised but based on real events and real people? And I'm wondering, do we really need to be told that? Joe, you're looking forward to it as much as I am?
14: Love it, PJ. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favourites. Great show. Well, Bins, watch it now once it comes, watch the whole lot. Yeah, but do you care about the, you
6: know, the? I would have said looking back in it, season one was very good to history. Season two was 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 good to history. Season three it started to vary, and by the middle of season four, so they'd left, they'd left the actual facts behind them. Who cares? That's
14: though? true. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Yeah, because for me, it's a bit of fantasy and it's a it's a story. You know what I mean? And it shows maybe just how half the other life live and how the wilds are. But you have to see the fictional side of it. You know, you can't take it serious.
6: Yeah. Season five, of you know. course, will focus on Charles and Diana's breakup of their marriage and, and divorce and all of that. And I think, I'm not sure, I think it ends when she dies. Oh, Jesus! Yeah. I think... see what that's
14: going to do now is that's going to put a bad taste in people's mouth everything they see now, I think they'll believe this is after happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll read a lot into it and Charles will saying, oh my God, King, nervous, and oh my God, that never happened, or whatever. You know what I mean? But do, think do you think,
6: look- do you think, Joe, that the Crown and they've refused to do it? They, the Crown have been asked, or sorry, Netflix have been asked to put in this line at the start of the episode, say this is based, this is a fictional account based on on true events and true characters. Like they've done. There's another show showing at the moment where they do that. Do you think the Crown should put it up at the start in the credits? I
14: do, yeah. I do, because yeah. I, I think people, some people believe believe everything they see, you know what I mean? maybe it's like that, oh my God, that's a true story, where I was down and say, only power jokes is not actual fact, you know what I mean? So I think, yes, I think they should just, uh mm. they just say... They're saying they won't,
6: because people should know anyway. It's in his fifth uh, yeah, series, but, and people should know.
14: Yeah, but what harm does it do if that's what they think, you I mean? It's not, yeah. it's not lock it, so I put it up and, you know, keep everybody happy.
6: Yeah. Maybe the younger people, I guess, are looking at it. That's, that's the worry, I think, that people like Judy Dench and others might have. Uh, the young younger people are looking at the crown and thinking, well, oh, that's absolutely what happened. Whereas the older absolutely. people are saying, no, that's not true at all. You know. Yeah,
14: yeah. yeah. And you could even, be be discussion in the salon, people saying, Jesus, see what Charles did to Diana last night. And he'd think he was after physically doing it. know what I mean, or Jesus and the Queen, a white bitch, you wouldn't <laughs> see what's his face, or... Look at the way she was with the Prime Minister. He didn't bow enough and she was laughing. You know, it's just the comments a person can make, you know. That's, that's right. And you would think it was after happened that night, nearly.
6: That's right. That's right. I remember that, that the attraction in season four was how how well Gillian Anderson would do as Margaret Thatcher. And my God, she was brilliant.
14: Oh, she was brilliant, yeah. But they made her look out a bit of a fool as well, though. You know what I you mean? Did. They You're of, right. They, took, you know, they were taking the piss out of Thatcher at the same time. Well, and I couldn't imagine her being like that when she went to visit Balmoral and all that. to made her out to be kind of a bit and That's right. You're you right. know, in awe of them yeah. I and mean, I don't think she'd have been no, like that. I don't
6: think so. It's great fun though Joe, I'm so looking forward to it it'll be a night of pizza in our house for, for season 5. oh Jesus wait, waiting already
14: pizza <laughs>
6: <laughs> Joe thanks man, take care. Joe Byrne loves the crown, I love I the crown make no bones about it, absolutely cannot wait to see it. The other one I was telling you about is the new thing This England, I'll tell you more about it on Monday but I do recommend it it's a Sky production, it's the England or Britain in the time of Covid and Kenneth Branagh plays Boris Johnson. It's fabulous. But what they've done is they've mixed real news footage and real documentary footage from the time into a fictionalised drama It's so good you can't tell where the joins are. It's really really good. Uh, That's worth a look. Listen, quick call to finish the week. I was talking all about this young man on Wednesday morning after a fantastic result in Northern Ireland. Now it didn't go so well with Tom Ford, Aaron Hill but you come through the week and they're on there and open having taken down Judd Trump 4-1 Has that settled in yet? Good morning
13: Hiya PJ yeah. Has it
6: settled in yet to you?
13: Yeah I suppose it has um, A decent enough week, a lot of positives to take yeah. I was disappointed to lose afterwards but when I came away from it and got home I, I uh, took the positives and yeah. There's no time to dwell on it because the next one is coming, ticking fast next week.
6: Yeah, I I think part of being a young player like yourself, what are you, you're 20 now. Do you know like 20? Yeah. You, you take a massive scalp like like Jud, and you beat Ronnie before, but you take a massive scalp in the game like Judd Trump, 23 ranking titles and a former world champion. You you go in the following day, then you're on a high from that. At your level, that that kind of affects your game a bit, does it?
13: Were you on a high a bit? Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose um, I was in such a zone against Trump that it was hard to get back into. Yeah,
6: you never quite, I was yeah. watching the match, you never quite got settled against Tom.
13: Yeah, no, um kind of could have won the first round. If I won that, it could have been different. But um, that, that all comes with experience and um, um, how to go. deal with the next matches after a big win like that I'm, um, I'm sure I'll gain that in the next couple of years months whatever Absolutely. but um,
6: you're you're, yeah, you're uh, loving it so far and, and what's the next step now what's the next tournament
13: I've got uh, the English Open qualifier this coming Wednesday in right. England and then that's followed by the second biggest tournament to the year the UK Championships yes the first major of the season so yeah this it's uh, Good time to be coming into form.
6: Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you're, you're at the stage now. Your rankings. You, you, you have to qualify for pretty much everything, don't you?
13: Well, yeah. Just qualify as much as I can. Um, um, I'm on my first year now of my two-year tour card, so that's brilliant. Try get, try get, um, try do well this year, so I don't have much to do next year to keep exactly. my tour card. So exactly, and then hopefully we kick on to. To bigger things
6: then. Yeah. What do you have to achieve to, to keep the card? I mean, getting into the television series uh, there for the Northern Ireland and having taken would you would you get points from the victory over Judd?
13: Yeah, yeah. Um, every match you win, there's ranking points involved. But to be honest with you, uh, the, the graft and the hard work, the well-earned ranking points is all done behind the scenes at the qualifiers and yeah, like I, I had to win a qualifier last month to get to Belfast this week. So they're the big matches, uh, yeah. the ones that are behind the scenes. So I've got the English Open qualifier next week. So right. that's another big one. I and want, is that uh,
6: one match or two to get through?
13: Just one match, just Wednesday. One match. And if I win that, if I win that, I'll be qualified for the English Open. I think it's next month or the month after. Maybe.
6: And do you know who you're playing?
13: I'm playing uh, Liam Highfield.
6: Oh great! Right, he's an experienced okay. campaigner. Good luck against that one. Is that a seven or a nine? Uh, seven. It's a seven. Okay. Listen. Good yeah. luck. He's he's a he's a tough campaigner, but you know you're getting there yourself. Success isn't a straight line. i I've, I said to you, Sorry, I said yeah. to you a couple of years ago, Aaron. I see you in the crucible, but one table, and I'll stand over that.
13: <laughs> Hope, well, hopefully, PJ. Hope, all right, you so know. That, Good luck. I, I see that every night in my dreams. <laughs> there
6: you go, well. Yeah, good, good man. Good man. Aaron, thanks a million, by and uh, continued success. Aaron Hill, uh, professional snooker player from Cork, beat Judd Trump during the week, and his ranking is coming up. He's at number 94 or something in the world at the moment, which is great.